Welcome to The Automators. I'm David Sparks, joined by my pal, Rosemary Orchard. How are you today, Rose? I am very, very happy because I get to talk to you again. And while it's not as fun as seeing each other in person as we did a couple of weeks ago, it's still pretty good. Yeah, it's funny. I, You know, all my podcasts I love making, but today I just woke up thinking, let's do some automation today. And we got a great show for you. Um, Rose and I have both kind of looked at recently built automations we've made to solve some interesting problems. And we're going to walk you through all of those. And I'm looking forward to getting started. But before I do, I just wanted to take a moment to talk about the Relay FM membership drive. Now, we don't ask about membership on Relay too often, but every year in August we do. And uh, guess what? It's August again. Uh, so uh, this month we'll be celebrating Relay's fifth birthday and what a five years has been. Uh, we're so thankful to have you with us, whether you've been with Relay for five years or five weeks whether you've been listening to automators for one week or for our entire run, we really appreciate it. And if you enjoy listening to this show, we'd love you to become a member by signing up to a membership. You get access to the monthly behind the scenes newsletter, some cool 5k desktop wallpapers of your favorite relay FM show artwork. And to be honest, Rose, the automator artwork is awesome and it looks amazing it on a desktop. It's like a combination of automation and Captain America all rolled in one. Yes, it's so much fun. I really like it. I actually have my desktop background switched between the Relay uh, artwork at the moment. It's great fun. Yeah, they have a, a monthly Relay FM host crossover show. If you're a subscriber, I've been on that many times. I know you have as well, Rose. Yeah. Um, they have a discounted merch in the uh, the new merch store. So you get that. And best of all, you get access to the feed of full bonus episodes Relay FM shows published throughout August and September. And membership started just $5 a month. And Russ, we were not going to share what our bonus episode is, but I'm so excited about it that I yes. really like. Can I have permission to share, Russ? I don't, you're going to spoil the surprise, aren't you? Yes, I am. You always do. Okay. Go, on. So, Go so ahead and spoil the surprise. So, we're, so here's, here's the thing, guys. Uh, Rose and I are going to be together in San Francisco for the Relay fifth anniversary thing in fact they're, they're playing family feud live on stage yes. and the only thing i hope is that rose is not on the team opposite of me because i feel like you have that killer instinct and i don't know i have a feeling i'm gonna be terrible at this so who knows i don't know but i, I just I, i'm a little nervous i don't want to be against you whatever i'm a lover <laughs> not a fighter but the uh but it, either way so we're going to be up there and we're going to be up there with a, a friend of ours sal Sagoyan, and his lovely wife naomi and uh, who is, you know, Sal is the guy, you know, he's the one who was at Apple for all those years behind Apple script and automator. And now he's outside the company doing other stuff. And we thought, let's do something with Sal for this bonus episode. And let's do something fun. And so we decided a board game, but it had to be a board game that involved automation. So guys, we are going to play mousetrap with Sal Sagoyan. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. And just to make it even more fun, uh, we're going to do our best. No complete promises, but we're going to try to also do it as a video episode so that you can watch me lose so terribly because the only time I've ever played this game, I lost really badly. Well, when I was a kid, I ha I didn't have it. A friend of mine had it, but all we would do is go in his room and set up the mousetrap. We never, I, I've never actually played the game. I have no idea what the rules are. Sal had never heard of the game at all. So um, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be fun. So that that's something to look forward to if you're a member. Uh, so make sure you don't miss out. Head to uh, relay.fm slash 
automators to become a member of the automators. And if you'd like to learn more and support more shows, go to relay.fm slash membership. Uh, that URL one more time is relay.fm slash automators. And thank you for your support of the automators. Yes. Well, we're going to have some fun, but we've had some fun recently, right? Yeah, well, we've been we've been automating some problems, and uh, so we we have a little bit of a grab bag this episode, but there's yeah. some cool ones in here, and we thought we'd start from the easiest and go to the hardest. Yes, so I'm I'm going to start the show with uh, I recently uh, decided to change um, my throwaway email address. So I I have over the years had a variety of different email addresses which I've used. Of, to varying extents as the ones that you sign up to stuff with so that all of the the email that's not to me as a person ends up going there. And I recently decided that I was going to consolidate all of this and put it all in one place. But old habits die hard and especially typing memory apparently is for me impossible to change. So I decided that I was going to change my text expander snippets that expanded to these email addresses to uh, my the, the one email address that I'm now using. So even if I type the text expander snippet for the old one, I now get the new email address, which is super helpful. Um, because also then when I can't log into a website, I realize what the problem is and I log in and I change my email address and I'm done. Well, that's a simple automation. Yeah, it is. But it's actually made my life so much easier because I kept trying to type the old email addresses and then going, oh no, actually I wanted to change the email address. So uh, yeah, I just decided to change my text expander snippet. So I am trying to remember to type the the snippet for the, the new email address all the time instead of defaulting to the older ones that I've previously been using. Um, but even if I if I forget or I'm tired, uh, you know, it just works. So uh, I, I'm, I'm coming out 100% on top there. Yeah, uh, SaneBox does such a good job for me that I, I don't have a throwaway email address anymore. Well, I'm using um, G Suite uh, for my domain. So I decided that I would use one of the addresses on my domain for, yeah. you know, all of this other stuff. And then, you know, the people who I love get my real email address, um, which is, is working really well. At some point in the future, I may consolidate everything to one email address. Um, but I, I quite like having it going to two email addresses just means that you know i i know that it's a person if it comes to my personal email address yeah that makes sense i uh, i have one that involves email as well and uh, this is a, a simple one but you know as i've mentioned i know i've mentioned on the mpu but i don't know if i mentioned it here but i have a base camp account and um i started kind of lukewarm toward it but i really warmed up to it uh, it helps me manage the projects for some of my legal clients not all of them, but some of them. And then it also helps me with the field guide management because we've got I've got someone helping me with editing and you know various bits and pieces. So I've got uh, all these Basecamp projects. And in Basecamp, there is a feature where they can give you a magic email address. And anything you blind copy or even send directly to that magic email address gets saved to the Basecamp project. And for some of the like the transactional stuff I work on as an attorney, um, there's a bunch of emails flying back and forth. And I've never really been happy with having a system to hold all of those together. You know, um, you could make a separate folder and copy them into a folder on IMAP, but who wants to do that, right? I mean, mm. um, there's some tagging systems on you know the email systems like MailTags works, but MailTags doesn't work on iOS. 
So then, you know, you'd have to wait till you get back to the Mac to tag the email. And I've tried that and it never really sticks for me. Um, uh, so it, it's just, you know, this is a problem I've never had a good solution for. And I know there's others out there, but Basecamp is, is where I invested and that's where I went. So I want to start saving all these emails to these various projects. And the, the trouble is, uh, and, and the way you do it is you save a contact in the name of that special email address. I don't save it in the name of the person or the company. I just actually make one called, you know, Acme Company, base, uh, Acme Contract slash Basecamp, you know. And that's a mm -hmm. contact. And I have a separate group in my iCloud contacts list called Basecamp Contacts. And so I have to go in there. And every time I have a new project to set up, you have to go in Basecamp, you have to copy an email, and then you have to open the contacts app, right? And every time you open the contacts app, I think a puppy dies because, you know, it's there, there's so much involved with creating a new contact in the contacts oh, yeah. app. You know, a lot of buttons to push and you got to land the mouse in exactly the right place. Um, and then, but then there's this great app called Card Hop, you know, and, and I did some videos for them that it was made by some friends of mine, the same people who make um, Fantastic Al. But it's, it's a great app and it's on the Mac and that makes it somewhat easier because they have like, just like Fantastic Al, they've got this collection box. You just type stuff into it and then it, it creates a card, but still you have to type a bunch of stuff and you have to get the right um you have to get it into the right group. And you know it's still a little fiddly. So I decided I want to automate this further. So I have a, um, a keyboard maestro script. And it's called, I call it New Basecamp Reference Email. Very sexy name. And uh, so what I do is I when I set up a new project in Basecamp, I grab the magic email for that project and just save it to the copy buffer. And then I... I push a few keys on my keyboard and it fires off this Basecamp reference email uh, script. Mm -hmm. The first thing it does is it opens up card hop. I mean, sometimes it's not open and if it's not open, you know, the whole thing breaks. Um, and then it gives me a prompt for user input, you know? So it's asking me, you know, what's the name of the project? And I just type in the name as I want it to go into my contact cards. And I'll just, you know, so usually, like I said, it'll be something like Acme contract and it always ends in a hyphen and then base camp, you know, at the end. Mm -hmm. So, and, and then, um, then it does the rest on its own. So what it does, it takes that input and it's something similar to what you did. I, I remember you had at one point, I think made um, calendar entries out of a spreadsheet by grabbing yeah. fields. This is something yeah. like that, but there, the spreadsheet part's not there. So it, it opens up card hop. And then it just, as soon as card hop is open, the cursor is automatically in that capture field they have. So I don't have to do any fancy, you know, gymnastics to get the mouse in the right place or, or set the cursor or press the tab key. It's just automatically there. So then I just paste in the variable, the, uh, the Basecamp project name that I just typed in. Then I have a space and then I paste in the system clipboard, which is holding that magic email address I had copied. And then it types the magic incantation, you know, uh, backslash Basecamp filings, which gets it into the right group. Mm -hmm. And then it pauses 0.2 seconds because that is what you do with Keyboard Maestro. <laughs> and, <laughs> yep. And then it hits the return key. And so it's not a, a massively um, complicated script. You know, it's capturing one piece of data from the user. It's pasting the clipboard, but it's just doing all this with a couple keystrokes. So uh, it's it's much faster 
it's much faster than doing it in contacts the way, you know, I initially tried it and it's slightly faster than doing it manually through card hop, but it just makes me happy every time I make the script run. And I make a lot of projects because I have client contracts coming in all the time. So I run the script probably once every two or three days and uh, I really like it. And then, then on the back end, like I said, when I'm sending an email, I just go into the blind copy field and I'll type Acme and it always, you know, Apple Mail will find that that's close enough. And if it really has trouble finding it, I'll hit Basecamp and then it'll, you know, Acme, ba Acme space B for Basecamp and then it'll definitely find it. And then when emails come in from other people, I just forward them to the Magic Basecamp. And then I've got a nice collection of all the emails related to the project with, with very little effort. That's great. Do they get saved in the in the so Basecamp has a messages, I think it's called. Um, do they get saved there or do they get saved as documents in Basecamp? They have an email. They have an email. Oh. It, it doesn't show up by default in the Basecamp project list. Right. But if you go into a Basecamp project and say, you know, change this, it's it's a little text at the bottom. I forget what the magic term is. I can look it up. Change tools, add email forwards. There you go. That's it. And then you just put paste that in there and you're good. And um, like what I always do is I put that I put the email in and I take the checkups out because right. clients hate getting emails about checkups on projects. So, oh, yeah, because they don't need to check in. They want yeah, you exactly. to check in with them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just don't find much use for that. But and, and I was doing that so much that I finally just made a new template that, that so I don't have to go through that process over and over. Again. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I really like that. The, uh, I, I, ha I haven't really thought it through a little bit. For I think the next step of automation for this would be uh, for me to perhaps uh, use an Apple Mail rule to look at subject lines and senders to say, like, if an email comes in from this particular person who's maybe counsel on the other side of a contract we're negotiating, you know, I'm only going to get emails from that guy on the Acme contract. So if I get an email from him... Uh, just go ahead and forward it to the Magic Basecamp email address. Like I could do mm -hmm. that with an Apple Mail rule. And you could. I would be a little cautious of doing that purely because of the legal standpoint. You know, if if that person then ends up emailing you about something else six months in the future and it accidentally gets put in the old person's in the old project's Basecamp, yeah, um, yeah, then you would have to be super on top of those mail rules. It's well, first of all, it's not going to archive the email all it's doing is just sending it making the copy to Basecamp automatically mm -hmm. so and then honestly rarely do i negotiate a contract two different contracts with the same person it's always That's somebody good. different but the um i can't think of once in my 25 years of doing this that i've you know it just usually doesn't happen but the um That's good but either way no that that makes sense and honestly i don't know if it's worth the trouble i mean because I, you know, how many emails do I get when I do a contract somewhere between five and 20 and it, yeah, maybe I should automate it. I don't know. But either way, I, I don't, I don't go to that extra step, but it's available to me. I mean, what I would do if I were you is I would totally create like a keyboard maestro macro where you have like um, a palette that shows up when you're in mail and it lets you just click like forward to uh, Acme contract, forward to Zoo contract. Um, and then it would automatically forward it, paste in the address and come out shift D or something like that. Yeah. Although it's it's just not that much more work to hit the keyboard shortcut 
to forward and just type a couple letters and it, it exactly you yeah know, I'm just thinking if there's a palette from Keyboard Maestro that's showing up on your screen while you're yeah. doing this yeah like when you're in mail because then you just click the button and it opens it up and does it for you and then you're on the next mail yeah the the other thing I do with this and this is one I believe I've shared on the show. And it's a text expander snippet that just grabs the uh, message URL for the active email or the, the currently mm-hmm. selected email. And I've tied it to a text expander uh, command, E-Link, E-L-I-N-K. So if I type E-L-I-N-K, no matter what app I'm in, it looks at my Apple Mail program and says, oh, this is the me- message he has selected. And so like if, I, if I'm taking some notes in Apple Notes about something I'm working on and, and I'll say source email, you know, and then I can, um, and then I have a keyboard maestro script that selects that, creates hyperlink, and then types e-link. And so I'm combining keyboard maestro and, and text expander. It's like chocolate and peanut butter. But the, I, the idea at the end is that I've got a link back to the source email anytime I want. So if I come back and look at it in six months, I can just click it and it opens up the source email. Yeah, that's the great thing about mail. You yeah. have those automated links back. Yeah. That is, Okay. Well, I, I think I, I have some some automations to steal because uh, I, I use Basecamp with a couple of teams. Um, and uh, I, I can imagine that the email would be very helpful there. I'm currently using a Rube Goldberg machine of drafts goes to Zapier, which goes to Basecamp to post stuff into Basecamp. Yeah, well, I, I can see how that, that would work. I, I'll tell you, Basecamp is a lot, you know, when I first got it, I wasn't sure if it was right for me, but it's grown on me. I, I'm, I'm really happy to be using it. Good. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Creative Next. The Creative Next podcast just launched its second season, focused on future-proofing creatives from AI automation. Season two is about communication. How do humans communicate with each other? How do we communicate with machines? And how do machines communicate without us? They're exploring the automation of things like storytelling, smart environments, and marketing and advertising. It'll explore all those interesting questions you might have wondered about. AI, like how far away is AI from writing the next great novel? And what happens when smart homes become smart workplaces? Creative Next is available from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and wherever else you like to listen to your podcasts. Plus, they have a companion article series on Medium that's in partnership with Towards Data Science. Plus, they're a member of the civil family of independent newsrooms. Check it all out at creativenext.org slash automators. That's creativenext.org slash automators. I feel like this is such a good fit for our show, right? We talk about automation. This podcast is also about automation, but maybe from a different angle. So our thanks to Creative Next for their support of this show and all of Real AFM. Go check it out, gang, and let them know you heard about it here on The Automators. All right, well, let's dive back in. So both you and I went to MacStock recently, and uh, I talked about Siri and about shortcuts and how you can make it do amazing things for you. And after my talk, I ran into Brody, who hopefully is listening to this episode. He's a Mac Power Users fan, Automators fan. And he was showing me his uh, shortcuts that he had to play um, albums by a specific artist because albums tend to be built to tell a story. You know, their songs are supposed to lead into one another. They're put together for a reason. Um, and very understandably, he likes listening to them like that. But his current setup of shortcuts have become a little bit unwieldy, difficult to maintain, and difficult to manage. Um, and uh, as soon as I saw this, my brain started going, hmm, I wonder if I can find 
a, a different way to do this, which is much easier to maintain, which is also automated, even more automated than using shortcuts. Uh, and so I sat there um, and uh, a couple of people actually came along and, and listened and it, the shortcuts spread around quite quickly. I think about 20 people left Mac stock with them um, because I created three shortcuts in the end. One which maintains the artists, one which maintains the albums, and then the third one, which is the one that you use all the time, which actually does the playing. Um, and this is not something I'd ever thought of myself, but it turns out I've been using it all the time since I got back from MacStock. Um, so my first one, it just creates a, a list of all of the artists um, and it starts, but it also creates a folder where you then save all of the information about the albums for each artist. Um, and so it, it goes through and it, it, it lets you set it up as well. So it creates a folder, creates your your list of artists for you, um, and you type in the list of artists. So, you know, you may have, for example, Eiffel 65 with uh, Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Die or something in there, but you may not want to just play that album again and again because it's a single and after a while it gets a little annoying. Um, so you choose which artists you want to do by typing them in. And then the next shortcut lets you pick an artist to update your albums for them. And it picks all of these out of your music library. So if you have, for example, the entire Beatles collection, then once you tap on the Beatles, it will find every artist by the, every album by the Beatles and save this into a text file. And then your third one will go, hey, these are lists, uh, this is all of the artists that you have albums for. And so you pick your artist and then you pick the album from the text file and then it just plays. So you ideally you put your third shortcut, the third shortcut in your shortcuts widget. This is where mine is, and you tap on it. You pick an artist, you pick an album, and then you're done, and you just get to listen. And I am really enjoying using this. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty cool. So, and you may I, I saw a collection of people around you while you're working on shortcuts. This is the <laughs> one, right? Yeah, yeah. This is what I mean. I, I did some other things, helping some other people out as well. There were some questions about the difference between open URL and X callback URL. Yeah. Um, but it was it was really interesting to see how many people were interested in this, and it wasn't a use case I personally thought I had, but it turns out I actually do have it, and I've been using it all the time. So I'm really grateful to Brody for bringing up this idea, and I'm, I'm really glad I got the chance to share back with him with uh, some updated shortcuts that should make his life a little bit easier because it does grab all of the artists that you have in your Apple Music library for um, that artist, the ones that you've got saved offline. That's how the Shortcuts music integration works. And for that, it's great because if, if there's an album by an artist that you don't like, well, you probably haven't got it offline on your iPhone. So uh, nice. I, I, yeah, I, I found it to be quite a neat solution once I figured it out. Is that, can you share a shortcut for, can you share that shortcut for the show? Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to put together a blog post um, on this because it's a little complicated um, and you do need all three shortcuts. And you, The first time you run it, you have to run them in order. But once you're done, yeah, it, it works perfectly um, and it's really simple to use. So, All right. Well, I've been thinking about shortcuts too a lot lately. I'm still working on the, the new shortcuts field guide and um, it's currently, I've got 60 videos recorded <laughs> and, yeah, and maybe another 30 or 40. It's crazy, Rose. There's so oh, much. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know how to stop myself. There's just so much to cover. But anyway, that's going to be ready when uh, iOS 13 comes out, if all goes to plan. But but I've been uh, doing, on the legal side, I've been doing uh, a deal where 
there have been a bunch of in-person and telephonic meetings with this group of people. And, you know, I have the way I take notes from the meeting, but it's like I had to start stretching some of my old muscles when I worked with a bunch of other people. You know, now I work for myself. Usually it's not as big of a deal, but now I've got collaborators. I've got other professionals that are working on this deal with me. And the the first couple of meetings we had, like we made progress, but nobody documented anything and nothing seemed to get done. So I decided to mm-hmm. take the bull by the horns. And I've been going to these meetings largely with iPad. I don't normally have a laptop with me. And so I wanted to make an iOS meeting solution. And so I ended up making two scripts and I'll share these. Maybe I'll even share videos. I think I'm going to make videos of these for the next field guide. Maybe I'll just put them in up as well. So you guys will get a preview of the next field guide. But so the, the first thing it does, I guess I should open it so I can look at it. But the, um, the first thing it does is when I go into a meeting, I run the, you know, meeting beginning shortcut. And I, the first thing it does is throws the do not disturb switch. So I don't mm-hmm. have to get interrupted. You know, you don't want to be sitting in there and have calls come in or something. And uh, I call it meeting mode. And then I just run a couple things. The first, I'm collecting data then at this point. So the idea of the script is to run and then get a kickoff point for writing down notes during the meeting. And I've been using Apple Notes for it. With with iOS 13 beta, I've been using Apple Notes a lot more. You know, now that you have nested folders and you can create them on the iOS device, I feel like I'm going to be doing more in Apple Notes than I used to. So anyway, so the first thing it does is it turns on do not disturb and I turn it on just until I leave, you know, because you can do that, um, which is mm-hmm. kind of nice. And then uh, the next thing I do is I grab the current date and, you know, that's going to be used in the minutes. And then I have a list uh, choice. So you have a list because this is with the same people all the time. I just have a display list and then choose from list two commands. I guess I could do this as an array with different groups of people if I was doing it with different groups. But since it's always the same four or five people, I'm just using a choose from list command. And uh, so you're collecting all those people and it's got the list of like five people, but then you can tap on the ones that are actually at the meeting because sometimes one person or another isn't there. And then it does a scripting uh, call just to say, you know, what's the subject of the meeting and you type in the subject. And then it just creates a text file that says meeting minutes and then it puts the date and it inserts the date from that date call and it inserts the subject from the subject call and then it puts down a, a list of attendees, you know, from the, the choose from list. And then it types in, you know, items discussed and action items and it drops that into an Apple note and it opens into Apple notes. So that's all it does. I mean, it, it just grabs some information and creates the note with all the basics in it. And then I type in the note as we're talking through the meeting. And at the end of the meeting, I summarize the action items um, and who's going to do them. And I type them into this document. So that's the first script. And then the second piece of it is the meeting ending script. And what that does is it grabs the Apple note and it emails it to everybody that attended. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. You select the people, you create an email, it sends it out, and it's got the action items for everybody at the bottom. I love that part, right? You know? Yeah. And, and then, uh, so they, and they get it, like, they get it before we leave the room because I just run this, this, this shortcut. And then uh, the last piece of it is it opens up uh, OmniFocus for me into the inbox for whatever action items I took on. So I just record them to OmniFocus right as I'm sitting there. 
Um, I haven't figured out yet how to automate grabbing the text out of the note for my action items. You know, that'd be cool if I could do that. Well, have you also considered uh, trying to find the names of the attendees in the note so that you don't have to tap the same people again? Oh, for the, um, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, for I guess. emailing. Yeah, I could do that. Um, that would work. But usually what I do actually with this group is I send the notes, the meeting minutes to everybody, even the people that don't show oh, up. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. But. I, I, you know, sometimes you automation, you kind of like cross the third rail when you start getting too deep and like, Oh, I want to get my action items. Just the ones that have my name next to it and create an omni-focused task. I, I guess there's probably a way to do that. If I thought about it long enough. Well, if you grab the whole notes and then you split it and go through each line, repeat with each. And then if it starts with, I yeah. believe that's an option in shortcuts. Yeah. I just opened shortcuts and my shortcuts is empty. This is scary. Uh Oh, um, <laughs> but, but even it's then, okay. Because like we're starting. Because then when I when I I need to do the step of going through OmniFocus because like my description in the minutes to people isn't exactly how I'm going to describe it, and maybe I'll write down one thing on the minutes, but it actually turns into five OmniFocus tasks, and some of them are flagged, and some of them have alarms. It's I think that's I just got to use the uh, the software between my ears for that step. If you did want to just grab them out, there is actually a, a function in Shortcuts uh, iOS 13 where you can say if, and then it prov providing it's a, a text item you've got begins with as an option, yeah. which at the very least you could then pop into, say, an ask for input, and then you could type the actual tasks that result from this, Yeah, which then you, you put into your OmniFocus. Yeah. But either way, that, that's a couple scripts that, yeah. that are very, neither one of them are super complicated. I'll, like I said, I'll sh I'm going to record these for the, the new field guide, but I'm going to just put them, those recordings into this, um, into the show uh, notes and I'll put them on YouTube. Uh, but the, uh, it, it's just, they're very useful ways to kind of deal with that problem. And since I've always got an iPad, when I walk into the meetings, now people have come to expect it, right? Yeah. And then like, so now I'm typing and somebody will make a suggestion. They'll like, but don't put that one on me. Put that on you. They're like, they're like fighting for turf in the meeting because they know that they're going to get held accountable at the end with this email. It's kind of funny, the dynamics, how the dynamics change once you start doing that. But that's a whole nother it discussion. Is. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to steal this because I've been having a couple of meetings like uh, recently where it's been very much at the end. Okay. Well, who's actually going to do what now? And there seems to be an expect expectation that I'll do everything, which is so not happening. So yeah. I'd really like to start assigning everything to somebody else. <laughs> All right. You want to do one more? Well, um, as alluded to in the previous episode, I purchased a Mac Mini. Yeah. Um, and you said that we were going to put a pin in it. So I'm taking the pin back out and we're going to talk about it. Because okay. I bought this uh, for many reasons. But one of the reasons why I bought it was for automation. Because it's just it's sitting on my desk and it's always running. Yeah. Um, I just sleep the displays when I'm not using it, which also locks the screen. Um, and there's a couple of different ways. Actually, there's a lot of different ways that I'm using this for automation. But I thought I'd just talk about a couple of those. Can I, can I just say episode. one thing, though? I mean, the idea of a Mac running 24-7, if you're interested in automation, it opens up the world. I mean, there's just it so does. much more you can do with it. I mean, I, I've played with the the NAS drives in the past and, you know, and I've thought about you know, all these solutions. But at the end of the day, having a Mac running 24-7 with all the cool things like Keyboard Maestro, Apple Mail Rules, uh, Hazel, having that running 24-7 really can change your game for automation. So I totally understand why you got one. 
Yeah, absolutely. And also as a note, if you're on the fence about whether or not it's a good idea, you could try, say, a month of Mac Stadium. I think it's 40 or $50 for a month. So it's not super cheap, but it's cheaper than buying a Mac Mini. Um, so you, you could try it for a month and see if it is actually useful for you um, because you can make a lot of magic happen. I, I didn't even know that. I thought you had to send them your own Mac Mini. No, no. So they actually they have Mac Minis. Um, so they offer co-location where you send them your own. Yeah. Um, or where you can buy one from them and they'll they'll put it in their server center, but they also have Mac Minis that you can use. Yeah, that you can rent in essence. Yeah, exactly. So it would be a great way to try it out. Yeah. So so Rosemary Orchard now has a Mac running twenty four seven. I want to know what you're doing with it. Well, first, the very first thing I did with it before I really got it set up with uh, I got Stephen Hackett to upgrade my RAM. Yeah. Um. This this is a story that's not yet been shared on Automators. Um. But uh, as uh, people were in the lunch line at uh, MacStock on the Saturday. Somebody was going down the line going, can somebody help me open an iMac? And uh, Stephen Hackett ended up opening up somebody's iMac and replacing the RAM and the SSD. So I jokingly said, well, if you fancy doing a Mac Mini tomorrow, I can bring one. And uh, he said, yes. I checked later to make sure he hadn't been joking um, because I, it was a joke. I wasn't intending to make him work. Um, but he was happy to. And so Stephen Hackett upgraded my RAM. So it's got 32 gigabytes of RAM in there. So I can throw all kinds of automations at this baby and it's going to just fly. Yeah. Um, so I, I've moved my home bridge from a Raspberry Pi onto my Mac Mini um, uh, because my Mac Mini has a dedicated IP address, which my Raspberry Pi didn't have. I could have made that happen, but I wanted it on my, my Mac Mini for a couple of reasons, mostly easier to get into the config file and edit things. So what, what devices do you need the home bridge for at this point? Uh, so we have a NetAtmo weather station. Okay. Um, and we have a few uh, plugs which are compatible with Philips Hue, um, but they're not compatible with HomeKit. Yeah. Um, and also we have a Nito Botvac, which is very nice and goes around and cleans all our floors. But I wanted to add it to a HomeKit scene, the one where we've left, where everybody has left the house, um, so that it would just automatically run when you you walk out the door and you press the button that says "I'm leaving," that turns everything off. And it turns on the robot vacuum. Uh, so whenever we leave, it, it cleans for us, which is nice. really nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I so I've got Homebridge running on there as well, which I, I mentioned our recent show about home automation. Um, but uh, I've also got uh, Calibra running on it, which is like iTunes for eBooks. And Calibra has a function where it can watch a folder. It's called the watch folder function. And so I, I throw any eBooks that I've purchased that come in like EPUB format and things like that into a folder in Dropbox called Add to Calibra. Um, and Calibra goes, yoink, sucks it up and sticks it in my ebook library. So next time I'm getting books from my ebook library, they're all there, which means that when I purchase things from like take control books, I can just download them, stick them in the folder on any device and they're in my ebook library, ready to go. I always thought that app was called Caliber. I call it Calibra. I don't know which one is right. No. I think my pronunciation sounds prettier, so I'm going to stick with it. Also, I mean, Libra. I mean, it sounds like, I don't know. Isn't that the yeah, Latin I, root I, for book? I, I assumed it was based on the Latin. Yeah, so I think you're so. you're right. I, I got it wrong. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I'm sure somebody will write to us and tell us that we're both wrong. Yeah. Um, I'd never so. thought of using that uh, as a, you know, needing that uh, to be running 24-7, but that makes sense. Well, I don't need it to be running 24-7, but um, Calibra has a built-in ebook server, which I use with Marvin on my iPad mini so that I can just grab ebooks um, and read them. 
Um, and so it's really nice if all the ebooks are just there. And if Calibra is running all the time, why not have it watch a folder in Dropbox and just do some more magic for me? Yeah, I've bought so many books through Amazon that if they ever like shut down or lock me out, I'm screwed. Oh, yeah, I have it. I download all of my, my Kindle books as well and store those in Calibra um, as well, just so that I have everything there. Yeah. Because it makes my life a little easier. But uh, the, the magic that I am particularly proud of, which was the most recent edition, is uh, I, I'm a big Hazel user. Years ago, I bought your field guide. I've taken so many things from it. The, the matching dates was like, that was worth the price of entry alone because figuring that out has allowed me to automate filing of almost everything. Yeah. Um, but today, as we record, um, I remembered that Joe Bulig, a couple of years ago, wrote a script called OmniFocus Autoparser. And this is an Apple script where uh, it will parse. So you add a task to your OmniFocus inbox, and the script will then look at it. And any tasks that start with two dashes, it will then parse um, and do some magic on based on some certain formatting criteria. And it will add projects and things like that, which is perfect for what I need because Zapier has been adding a bunch of tasks to my OmniFocus for me. But of course, because the OmniFocus mail drop doesn't have any parsing, they just end up in my inbox, which is not necessarily where I need them to be. Yeah. So um, I have changed the format of everything that gets added by Zapier. And then Zapier, whenever it adds a task to my OmniFocus, and this is built into a bunch of different zaps, so I had to edit several zaps, it adds a, a file to a certain folder in Dropbox called parse OmniFocus. Um, you can see I'm super creative at naming because I am horrifically forgetful. Yeah. Um, and if you give things a good name, then later you come back and you can look at it and go, oh, this is the thing that makes that script run. Yeah. The trick is never be too clever. You know, assume yeah. future you is, is, is a dummy. Exactly. Assume future you is horrifically jet lagged, possibly slightly drunk and definitely extremely tired. <laughs> okay. uh, and yeah, you're, you'll be absolutely fine because yeah. I, I'm usually in a state of either jet lag or exhaustion right now because... I'm about to what, do my what about drunkenness? Trip. You said drunkenness for us. Well, I mean, there may be a cocktail involved if there are four flights. <laughs> if there are four flights involved in any trip, there will be a cocktail involved. Yeah. Usually a non-alcoholic one, just, you know, because adding any alcohol to a trip involving four flights is a recipe for disaster. But yeah, I could see that, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can pretend that it's got alcohol in if you want to. There. But yes, so uh, whenever this file gets added to the folder... Um, Hey, Hazel pops up and goes, oh, I should run this Apple script. And I've just put this in as an embedded Apple script in the rule. And then it moves that file off to the trash. Yeah. And then it's done. Um, yeah. And this is great because it means that I don't have the script running 24-7 in the background because most of the tasks I add to OmniFocus, quite frankly, don't need this. Yeah. But when I add those tasks with that formatting, and actually some of these uh, Zapier Zaps add... Um, more than one task. And yeah. so I just add this uh, this file right at the end. Um, and because my Mac is always on, it just once once the, the file appears, it then gets on with it. Um, and that, that's perfect for me because I then get reminded that I need to, you know, add things to invoices or delete folders in certain places and things like that. I, if I could automate these things, I would. Uh, but at the moment, I'm not able to do that because of a variety of reasons. So let me just summarize to make sure I understand. So Joe's script runs in OmniFocus. Yeah, and it exactly. And it runs on the inbox in essence. So if you add certain syntax to the description, it's going to create projects, tags, and the like there. Exactly. Does it yeah. support tags? Because when he wrote that, I think they didn't have tags. 
Uh, I believe it supports context, but it wouldn't be that much work to update it to support multiple tags. Yeah. Um, because the the way that it's set up in OmniFocus is pretty simple. Yeah. But honestly, with the with these tag uh, with these tasks, I literally just want them to get put into the right project. Um, because as I've mentioned before, uh, I don't necessarily tag everything that ends sure. up in my OmniFocus because things. So, for example, I work in the IT department. If I don't have a computer. We have serious issues and nobody's going to be expecting me to actually work. Yeah. Um, so, uh, for example, at work, there's absolutely no point tagging all the things that need to be done with a computer because that's 99.9% .9 of my work anyway. So I tag the things that explicitly don't need a computer. Sure. Um, or don't need network access because almost everything needs network access. So then you're using the OmniFocus mail drop from Zapier to yeah. create a bunch of inbox items on whatever Zapier project you just created. And then you, at the same time, Zapier creates the text file. Now, the yeah. text file with, with Hazel, and this is covered in the, the um, video, the um, field guide. But Hazel, one of the ways, one of the tricks with Hazel is you have it look for a text file. And if it sees yeah. it, then that's enough to trigger it to do something. And yeah. in your case, you're saying do two things. First, delete the text file. So... And then second, actually, I, I tell it to run the script first and then delete the text file because sure. I don't sync my Hazel rules between Macs, at least not for everything. There are a couple of things where I do, but yeah. So then, so then it runs the script and then deletes the text file, and then Hazel just keeps watching for the next time. And then when it runs the script, it goes into OmniFocus, it parses through your inbox and and turns those inbox items into something more. Nice. Yes, I like that. Yeah. Well. It seemed worth it because I'm automating adding the task anyway, and I know absolutely 100% where the task belongs. Yeah. I just don't do it. But then, of course, you know, at the end of the day, I end up sitting in my inbox going, there's an awful lot of tasks in here that could have been automatically categorized. Oh, that's great. Hmm. That's great. Because I, I feel the same way. Every time I have to spend time in the inbox because of a failure of automation, sometimes I just put things in there because I'm not sure. Like, at the end of the day, like, I put stuff in the inbox, and at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, that was a dumb idea, and I just delete it. But... Sometimes the inbox serves a function, but other times, you're right. It's just got dumped in there automatically, and just because I didn't have the mechanics to to further like add metadata to it, it didn't get filed. Now I have to do it like an animal by hand. This is great. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal this one from you, Rose. That's great. Well, I want to rewrite this at some point to use the new Omni automation that's coming, yeah. um, which is hidden in the in the current betas. If you're if you're on the current betas, it's there. It's just hidden because it's not finished yet. Yeah. Um, so I'd re like to rewrite it to do that. But my previous iteration of this was not actually using the mail drop at all. I was appending things to a Dropbox file, yeah. and then I had a shortcut that ideally I would run once a day that would grab the contents of the Dropbox file. Um, and because it was task paper format, it would just paste it into OmniFocus and then replace the Dropbox file with an empty uh, file. Yeah. However, the problem with this was I realized I wasn't running the shortcut every day. Yeah. And so I was missing stuff because it wasn't ending up in my OmniFocus. Um, and that, of course, was a, a significant failing on my side because I wasn't automating adding the tasks, which is why I switched back to using MailDrop because then at the very least the tasks were there. But it, it still wasn't perfect, and now it's getting pretty close to perfect with this. Yeah. Well, whenever you get around to the OmniFocus JavaScript version of this, let me know. I'll be your beta tester. But I Well, I, I think there'll be a couple of people who want to. I may actually modify it so that it just handles task paper instead. Yeah. Um, because that that's a format that everybody's familiar with. Instead of the format that Joe created this before OmniFocus supported task paper, I believe. Yeah. Um, so yeah. But I, I left it as it is because it works. <laughs> 
And there's a lot to be said for an automation that you know works. No, that's great. I uh, I like it, Rose. I like it. Um, so uh, what about um, things you want to automate more? I, I just thought we'd finish the show today. Uh, there's a couple things that have been on the back of my mind lately. Uh, I'm using Airtable a lot in the field guide production and a couple mm-hmm. other things too, but particularly with field guides, because, you know, it's like you've got a long list of videos, you've got oh, yeah. different people doing different parts of it and you know, just it's just a great way. It's you know, it's a public shared database. You know, between your team, which is Airtable is great for that. We did a whole show on Airtable. Um, but I want to increase the automation elements of Airtable. Right now, as it is, I basically manually, you know, go in and mm-hmm. change fields and things. And and really, that combines with the other thing I want to get better at is using Zapier. You know, we did that show on Zapier. I was motivated. I created a couple. Uh, Zapier automations. I signed up for a subscription and I haven't done enough with it. I feel like that's something in the coming months I would like to try and get more out of. How about you? Mm. Well, um, I have a slight issue with email. Um, uh, A lot of people have heard of this thing called Inbox Zero, which I used to aspire to. Uh, In the meantime, I have ended up with over 5,000 emails in my personal inboxes and over 5,000 in my work inboxes, which is approximately 10,000 emails that I really don't need in my inbox. But at the same time, I can't get rid of because there is actually important stuff lurking here somewhere. So I really need to get a handle on uh, setting up filters for stuff that comes in so that I know um, like all the newsletters are just like filtered away and stuff like that. And I've, I've got started on this by, uh, by trying to migrate everything to one email address um, or migrate all the system stuff to one email address, but I have not really done anything else yet. Um, and I'm thinking I'm going to end up with a combination of server-side rules and mail rules, but I don't know. And I really need to get a handle on this because there's just so much in my inbox right now. And it's crazy. Maybe we need to go back and, and do this show on that. Because I, I feel like I've got that problem pretty solved between uh, my box subscription and a lot of Apple scripts I use with Apple Mail on the Mac. And um, and I've talked about this on MPU, but I'm just getting where I don't do hardly any email on my iPhone and the stuff that gets too complicated on my iPad, I just tag and archive, mm-hmm. and then I just manage the tags on the Mac. I, I've got some ideas on that. We should we should probably do feature content on that. Definitely, let's do that. Is there anything else that you're, you're looking to automate more? Because you mentioned Zapier. Is there anything in particular you want to do with Zapier? Or uh, I just want to get more out of it. I, there's web services I use, Basecamp, for instance, Airtable, for instance. I've got these web services that I'm plugged into. And I'm just not, and then I've got like my online invoicing is done through, you know, an online service. I just, I feel like mm-hmm. I've, I've done a poor job of taking advantage of all these hooks I have with Zapier and I know they're there. I just have to take the time to experiment with them and get them working. I, you know, I, I've got a few of them working. I have a few of them that are in progress that never quite, you know, hooked up right. And I just need to figure mm-hmm. out what the problem is. And, and, uh, I, I think I need to block some time to just go in and figure that out. Cause I feel like it would save me time if I just got better using Zapier. Yeah. You mentioned invoicing. That's something I really need to figure out automating as well, because I've got a lot of stuff that's running around at the moment where like, for example, some of these, these tasks are being added to OmniFocus are actually things to do with the invoicing system because I have not, I've either not figured out a way to automate things yet, or the the way there is no way to automate them without investing more time. And I think I'm at the point where it's going to be worth investing more time in this, um, so that I can actually get all the stuff automated. Sounds like we get some future shows here. 
Oh, I think we do. But the 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 next episode is is not one that we've talked about today. Yeah, so. I know. People are gonna have to listen in and find out who or what we're talking about. Okay. Well, that's it uh, for today. We are the Automators. You can find us over at Relay FM slash Automators. Go ahead and sign up for that membership drive if you're interested. You can get that cool uh, uh, podcast slash hopefully video of us playing Mousetrap. I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be yes. fun. And, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, thank you to Creative Next for sponsoring the show today. And we will see you all in two weeks. Goodbye.